0: Hello, my name is Madison Powers and welcome to Social Mentality, where we discuss mental health and tips to help you take care of yourself. I also have a new guest each week. Today we will talk about the mental health groups on social media and what effect they can have. Today I have Christy Powers with me. How are you today? I'm doing really well, thank you. That's good to hear. So, have you ever used any mental health groups on social media, and if so, have they been helpful to you? As a matter of fact, yes, I have. There's actually a number
1: of support groups that I use on Facebook that I can bounce ideas off of if I'm having a bad day, if I just need support in general. I, I have several. There's uh, the bottom. Bipolar bipolar disorder support group. It's a global community. There's also another one that I use called the Schizoaffective Disorder and Mental Health Support. And there's also because I also have several mental illnesses. Although ADHD is actually considered to be a um, somewhat of a learning disorder. uh, Although that I have. heard that it's actually trauma-based and it's, as one professor put it, it is a coping mechanism that is no longer useful for you. So it's kind of what I've heard is kind of a conflicting thing, but uh, I do use the ADHD page quite a lot along with a bipolar page.
0: Okay, well that's definitely interesting to me because I always thought the ADHD and ADD were separate. Now it's one thing, not, yes. not what everyone usually would think.
1: Yes, they have actually ADD and ADHD together under one umbrella. So I was actually diagnosed with ADD probably about five years ago. Mm-hmm. It's what they call adult onset uh, ADD, even though I'm certain that I had it before then, but I was not tested for it until I was an adult. So now I'm taking medication for it and it is tremendously helping. Well,
0: that's good to know that the medication is helping you. Yes. Is that a main treatment option, you would say, for multiple mental illnesses?
1: It it is. Um, I also do um, CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, which is basically talk therapy Uh, I do see my therapist about once or twice a week depending on how things are going Um, I do have uh, I've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder uh, type one uh, which is the more serious of the three types of bipolar (laughs) Um, I can go manic where I feel euphoric on top of the world and then the the bad part of being manic is that I can also have rage which is uh, what some people consider anger but it's like 10 times worse and then I also have the extreme depressive part of of bipolar where uh, I just I hit rock bottom and I just can't find my way out of it. Uh, I've also been diagnosed with PTSD, anxiety disorder, panic disorder, of course ADD
0: and I do believe that is all which is quite enough. So in terms of the mental illnesses that you you do um, deal with, on a day-to-day basis and since you are a part of several social media mental health groups what aspects of these groups do you like the best? Is there one group that you like more than the other or they all just, they're all very helpful but are there certain aspects that you like between the different ones?
1: Um, the one that I tend to uh, use quite a bit is the bipolar support page um, because they seem to be more receptive, more understanding about things that are going on uh, and they're just, they're they're very supportive and they're, they tend to have quite a number of good ideas that they can bounce off of one another you know they'll try to help you as best as they can
0: okay well that's good that they all try to help each other so i guess Mm -hmm. to you because a lot of the stuff i've talked about throughout this podcast is how social media can create a sense create a sense of community for those who feel like they're alone or they don't have anyone to reach out to so would you say that these mental health groups do create a sense of community they do um you know just
1: like the the add page which i don't really post very much on there but but uh, I did post a couple of weeks ago, I'm sorry, a couple of days ago. And, you know, with the issue that I had going on, just I wasn't sure exactly how to how to handle it. And several people chimed in and gave some really good ideas as far as getting through what I was going through. Well, that's
0: good that it creates a good sense of community because not everyone has someone to talk to. Even if they do, sometimes they need someone who's going through something similar.
1: Right. And I I've, I've found that, you know, like trying to talk to people in In person, they're either unfamiliar with mental illnesses Mm -hmm. or they just, honestly, they just, they don't know what to say. And a lot of times, you know, when I'm trying to talk to some of my friends about it, uh, their typical response is, I'm sorry. Right. And... You know, I'm I'm not looking for you know sympathy. I'm just looking for someone to just to talk to about you know what's going on, and not necessarily wanting them to give me you know advice. It's more like I just I just need someone to talk to. And to me, the words just you know I'm sorry. It just sometimes it feels like they don't real they're not really listening to me. Mm-hmm. And I understand not knowing what to say. But I just, I feel that, you know, I'm sorry. It's just, you know, it's just not something that that I necessarily want to hear.
0: In a way, it can get overplayed. I mean, I I understand because, I mean, as you know, I deal with bipolar too. And whenever you just hear people say, I'm sorry, usually it's due to them not understanding they don't know what to say because it's a different situation than what they usually would deal with but I feel like I'm sorry does get overplayed
1: it it, it does and you know it's just you know like I said at I me mean, I understand not knowing what to say because you know it's something foreign to a lot of people you know it's just it may be just hearing you know, I I understand or I can see where you're coming from sometimes would be a little more beneficial than the simple I'm
0: sorry right no I completely understand so in terms of these mental health groups do you think these groups can have a more of a positive effect on someone who's dealing with a mental illness than a negative effect or do you think there still can be a negative effect along with a positive effect that they are trying to create um
1: there can be a negative effect on some of the things that they're talking about, um, you know, like some of them, the other day I read one on the bipolar page where they had just, you know, they were, they were giving up. They were talking about possibly taking their life. And, uh, usually those posts, the, uh, the admins of the page will go through and de- and delete, um, uh, the negative posts, but this one somehow made it through. Uh, I don't know if they ended up deleting it or not, but, uh, so there's, there's the negative and. And the positive is, you know, like I said, just the the support of that community and the understanding and just honestly how great that is to have someone to understand where you're coming from and the issues that you're having. And, you know, they'll have, you know, they're just... They have suggestions. Um, I've actually made a few friends through that group that have actually sent me, you know, friend requests. Mm -hmm. Um, I have one lady in particular who is actually in England um, who checks in on me periodically because she's been going through similar uh, life issues that I'm currently going through.
0: Now, in terms of what you mentioned before about admins going through and taking posts down do you agree with them doing that even though this is a mental health group that you're you're able to Reach out when stuff is really bad, even though you're saying like, hey, I'm giving up stuff like that. That's someone reaching out to be heard and maybe try to help talk to them. So do you agree with them taking those posts and deleting them or do you think that that is okay to do?
1: Um, Well, with the posts that they take down uh, is where a lot of people go into details such as making plans to take their life. Mm -hmm. And that's that's mainly the ones that they will take down because it's very triggering for others um On some of the posts, you actually have to put at the top of the post. It says trigger warning, and then you put what is going on next to the trigger warning, and then you space a couple of spaces down, and then put your put what you're putting in. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't always mean that it stays. It it just depends. Like they can put trigger warning and suicide, and you know they'll talk about how they've they've had thoughts of of doing so but have no plan to actually take their lives or what have you they're just sharing with them with us about you know what's going on what they're struggling with and those posts tend to stay up but you know like I said it's the ones that post about actually having plans to do so because it is very triggering for some of us and it honestly just it really brings you down and it makes you feel helpless because you don't know exactly what to do to help these people right that, that
0: does make a lot more sense the reason I asked the question because to me I would think you know with a mental health group of people reaching out that it- Typically, the post would not, you know, get taken down. But I guess when you put it in that aspect, you don't want to trigger other people's mental illnesses and stuff like that. So, that that does make sense. And I completely understand. Like, if, if I was part of those groups, because I, I don't typically talk about my group, my mental illness on social media as much and stuff. I'm still trying to accept it myself. I wouldn't want to read something that would, might trigger me. because. Uh-huh. I mean, the one thing that you try not to do is to go down. Really, any of this these mental illnesses that deal with a lot of depression and anxiety and stuff like that. So that makes a lot more sense. Cause didn't even know about that. That's something different,
1: right? And and it is very very helpful because you know I've I've read some of those posts before before the admins have taken taken them down, just because I actually made it onto the group page before the admins have taken it down. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very disheartening to see, you know, someone feeling that they're at the end of their rope and, you know, they feel that that's the only way out. Right. And, you know, it just, uh, I've... I've reached out to a couple of people, you know, I've, I've commented on their post. This again is before it is taken down. And, but like the other groups, um, my ADHD group, it's kind of funny because, you know, there's so many quirks involved with ADD and ADHD that, you know, people uh, don't quite Understand the quirkiness of ADD and
0: ADHD. What do you mean by quirks exactly? If you don't mind, me asking. Oh no, no. Um,
1: you know, constantly losing things. Oh, um, okay. Honestly, like you know, just as simple as it sounds, you know, forgetting to take a shower, and the shower part actually crosses over into bipolar as well, because mm-hmm. when you're depressed, uh, it's such a chore to actually get up and and take a shower. It's it's hard right. to get out of bed I mean you don't really change clothes and you know people think that you're just being lazy and the same thing with ADD and ADHD you know you just you get overwhelmed Um, you also have instances of where you look lazy and actually what it is is in your brain you have all these tasks that you know you need to do but you just you kind of freeze and you get overwhelmed and by getting overwhelmed you just kind of shut down and just, you know, feel you can't do it. And and it comes across as being lazy because that's what people want, well, not just want to think, but that's what they do think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have episodes where you, you hyper-focus on things where, like, let's say you're, you find something interesting online. All of a sudden, you're doing hours of research on this one thing. And then an hour later, after you've done that, you've forgotten what it is. And then there's also times where you absolutely you're you're very smart but at the same time you cannot do anything about it you know you're smart but you don't know how to use it and so you know it's just all kinds of things that that can go on with um, like ADD and then bipolar and then sometimes the symptoms do cross over so it is hard to decipher which one it is until you actually get tested. Now with with the ADHD ADD page you know people are constantly asking uh, what kind of medicine everyone is on because it's very difficult to figure out what med actually works for you. Um, It's taken me a couple of years to find one that actually helps me. Now on that particular page, People talk about how, you know, they they can't find their keys for hours and they end up finding them in the refrigerator or, you know, they, they can't find important papers uh, until like the next day after they don't need them and they're someplace very odd. Uh, This one girl actually put some papers that she needed on a shelf in her bathroom and she found them the next day. So uh, we just kind of call them like ADD kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess quirks. And then one thing that's interesting about ADD is you actually about once a month will get this extreme strong sense that you you need to clean something so our rooms are constantly cluttered and then when we get this like one hour of energy like roughly once a month we will actually go through and completely clean our rooms until they are practically spotless and then as soon as that hour is over the energy is just gone. And then you just, you know, start, like I said, hyper-focusing on stuff. Uh, You often somewhat daydream. You know, it's just, it's things like that that really kind of set it apart from other illnesses, even though uh, ADD is not necessarily an illness per se.
0: Right, that's a very interesting point. So do you have any advice for those considering joining any mental health group?
1: Yes, I would definitely, if it were if it were me, if I had not already joined support groups, I would go out on on Facebook, search for those groups. Uh, a lot of them you can scroll through, you know, see what they're talking about, um, and then you can also uh, look at uh, not only joining them but participate in the group. That's important. Don't just Scroll through and read what everyone else is saying. If you've got something on your mind that you feel you need to voice or you need help with, definitely mention it. And there's all different kinds of flavors of all these um, support groups for all kinds of mental illnesses out there. And I definitely recommend joining one because, you know, it's, it's a little different than voicing your concerns with a friend or even a family member that absolutely has no idea what you're going through. So these groups can completely relate to everything and then some that that you are going through. So that's definitely something that I would recommend.
0: So you would say one of the number one tips would be don't be afraid to put your voice out there. Right. Don't be
1: afraid to talk about it. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, And then, you know, also, I highly recommend working with a therapist. And I highly recommend uh, seeing a doctor about, you know, medications that can also help you. But you do not want to go to just your family practice doctor. Mm -hmm. You need to go to a psychiatrist because your family practice doctor tends to just throw medicines at you, and they have no idea exactly what will and what will not work. And whereas the psychiatrist, they can tailor fit uh, the medications that they feel will be proper for you.
0: I mean, that would make sense because a general practitioner like your family doctor, would generally just focuses on the physical body, not the uh, chemical imbalances that are going on in the brain, like the neurological side. I mean, other than a neurologist, but in terms of the chemical imbalances, you'd want to see a psychiatrist because they specifically study that field to try to help people get better with the use of medications because there's not always another option.
1: Right. And I, I honestly, I have a couple of friends that uh, go to just their, their family practitioner And, you know, they're talking about how they've been put on certain medications, but at the same time, these medications aren't helping and how, um, you know, they just, they change from one thing to the next. And a lot of family practitioners don't, either they don't realize or I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but a lot of these medications take 2 to 4 weeks to actually get into your system mm-hmm. before you feel uh, a difference mm-hmm. and you know there's all kinds of side effects unfortunately mm-hmm. but usually after 2 to 4 weeks those side effects will actually subside and you know your your psychiatrist can actually help you through this so that you get to the therapeutic level of the medication as to as far as where you need to be
0: right well thank you for that advice and thank you for joining me today
1: you are more than welcome and i'm thankful that you had me on
0: so if you want to follow me i have an instagram called social underscore mentality zero one where i make posts about my podcast and blog post as well as I do a blog post every Friday and you can check that out at powersmadison441.wixsite.com slash social dash mentality. As well as there will be another podcast episode next Monday, so be sure to look out for that.